Welcome to the Performance Connection Podcast, the show where we connect you to the highest quality information and leading professionals in the world of human performance. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Performance Connection Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Elijah Muhammad. Elijah, how are you, man? Good, man. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know we were talking before how, how busy people can be. And I know you are definitely one of the busiest people that I've seen from afar. And we'll get into all the stuff that you're doing a little bit later in the podcast. But before we dive into today's topics, why don't you go through your background as you know an athlete and just kind of your path and your journey to get you where you are today? Yeah. So born and raised in Columbus, Ohio up playing sports and I finally landed on basketball as my like number one sport as a sport that I'm going to pursue and do it. As I pursued that, went to a junior college for two years and then transferred to Tennessee Tech University from South Suburban in Chicago. And at Tennessee Tech, finished out my two years of college basketball and like, it's like, what's next? Like, what do I do? And I wanted to continue to pursue basketball and try to at least get overseas or start making that kind of that kind of pushed toward like the NBA. Like I wanted to play professional basketball in some sorts. And I had my daughter in my junior year in college. So uh, it was just a game changer, right? You know, you got this beautiful child and you're like, oh, I'm never going to leave you. And then someone's like, hey, man, you got to go overseas and play. And you're like, I don't know anymore. Like I, I want to yeah. do it, but like, you know, just it changed a lot. So as I then transitioned from college into grad school, I was, I figured out what was next, and my strength conditioning coach offered me a job as a strength coach. And if I became a strength coach, he said I would have to do CrossFit as the give and take. Okay. So, uh, like, yeah, he hired me as a strength coach. I had graduated with my degree in exercise science and disciplinary studies. And, you know, I was just kind of like, all right, I'm doing the strength coaching thing. And I started being, I became a strength coach over men's basketball, women's basketball. Um, now, is this at Tennessee Tech? Was at Tennessee Tech. Yeah, this is the okay, year after okay. graduation. So I graduated okay. and became an assistant strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, so once I got into that, I started doing CrossFit and fell in love with it. I was terrible, like most people's stories. <laughs> I, was, I did not come in anywhere near decent or good. And so just kind of with that same mentality of like basketball, I was like, I want to perfect this. I want to I want to be good. I mean, I say perfected. I just wanted to be known for my efforts. That's kind of how I function. It's like, I'm not looking for perfection. I'm not looking to be the top. I'm just looking to be known for the efforts that I put in, in the, in the space that I'm working in. So started pursuing CrossFit and qualified for the games twice, 2015, 2017, known as one of the fittest men in the world. And from there, I was coaching at different CrossFit gyms, head coaching and managing different CrossFit gyms. And then it led me to finally, after I moved around a lot, led me to Iowa just to be closer to family. And we now own two, two gyms here. Gotcha. So I, I want to kind of ask about your experience with your strength coach for a second, because yeah. that's a pretty unique way to get into CrossFit because what, what years would, would this have been? This was 2010. Okay. I mean, it's still somewhat this way today, but especially like in the mid 2000s to 2010s and, and whatnot. At least this was my sense, and I'll say my head strength coach also ended up getting into CrossFit. But for the most part, I felt like CrossFit was looked down upon by the like traditional strength and conditioning community. 
So the fact that your strength coach got you into it, that, that's pretty interesting. Absolutely. He took us to different strength conditioning conventions. So like you would travel and probably went to like maybe three, maybe four different strength conditioning conventions. And he would tell us like, don't mention that we do CrossFit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was like, just don't, don't mention to people that like we do CrossFit with our athletes and we were doing CrossFit with our collegiate athletes. Okay. He, he was very, very smart about it. And yeah, I mean, like I was new, but like me and Rich Froning were on staff and like, we just, we just, I, we just put our minds together to figure things out and like what worked for athletes. Rich played baseball. He had a very, very good uh, mindset of like training and methodologies and how to incorporate it with certain time domains. I was a basketball player, so I knew what movements like we need to work on, what helped build explosion, what I felt would help me get me stronger. And so when we started implementing it, we went to these strength and conditioning coaches. They were like, they were, they frowned upon CrossFit as if it was like, there's no way that CrossFit is going to help an athlete. And we're sitting here, like I'm sitting here, like I'm a collegiate athlete. I jump higher, I run faster, I'm more closer and I've gained 20 pounds from mm -hmm. doing CrossFit a year after playing collegiate basketball. Yeah. And so it was just, yeah, it was, it was weird, man. It was, it was a weird space to be like diehard CrossFitters, but like be in a space where like you're around people that love fitness, love the barbell, love lifting and training, but they're like, nah, CrossFit's not going to work for your athletes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. My strength coach was like, nah, he doesn't, he didn't believe that. That, that's, that's very, yeah, it's really interesting. What's, you know, so I, 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 did go to one of your training camps uh, a yep. couple of years ago. And what struck me immediately was you had the learning aspect. I think the day that I was there, we talked programming and, yep. and some of your injury prevention protocols and techniques. And you talked a little about how you kind of blend building different capacities. But then we lifted, man. Then we, then we got, we got after it. And, yep. you know, I, <clears throat> same when, when I went to Chris Hinshaw's workshop, He'd, he'd give us the background. He'd give us the science and then we did it. Like we, yeah. we went and we did the thing and as amazing as it is, as kind of like baffling as it is in traditional strength and conditioning, you almost never find it. And yeah. when you go to like these conferences, sometimes getting the coaches to participate in, in doing whatever it may be, whether it's lifting or speed agility, it's like pulling teeth sometimes. And yeah, it's. It's a, it's a culture of do as I say, and CrossFit is the culture is do as I do, right? Where it's like, we like to move our bodies. We like to test different stimulus, like to see what we are programming or writing down is actually going to do to us or provide for us or the stimulus that we're, that we're trying to achieve or whatever it is. So a lot of the strength conditioning conferences that we went to. It was guys that don't get me wrong. They had the knowledge, like they were able to articulate a lot of things, but it was just like everyone thought almost the same. And then no one wanted to physically take what they were writing down or what they were doing and put their bodies through that test to find out where's the, where's the sticking points to flaws or things like that, mm -hmm. that we're about to try to implement this into, uh, you know, our athletes. And for us, it was just opposite. It was like let's sit down and create programs to create templates and create ideas, but let's also test these things a little bit. Let's go through the motions and feel it to see how it functions and plays out for the athletes. Yeah. That's, I think that's critically important. And you know, some coaches do it. It just kind of, I feel like 
there's just the tendency to stay within your in your comfort zone and the realm of things that you know and you know strength and conditioning historically is so influenced by by powerlifting and yes let's lift heavy and let's let's grind that way but when it comes to sometimes these other qualities and i think you're seeing it and in part due to crossfit you're seeing like more of an emphasis on power and athleticism and staying yeah. explosive especially as you age but I get, I get CrossFit. It's just, that's just something I appreciate about the entire community is that's like the, it's just like a no brainer. It's just like, if, well, of course I'm going to practice this. Of course I'm going to be involved. If we're, if we're going to try something that I'm going to do it and I'm going to get involved yeah. and, and get my hands dirty. So I do want to talk about and ask you about your application of, of CrossFit programming or techniques or style to, to training athletes. So you mentioned that you went about it in a little bit of a different way or in an, an intelligent way. What, what are some things that you mean by that? Or like, what was your process for taking like the tenets or CrossFit of the style and then applying it to a team sport athlete? Yeah. So like movements were important. What movements we prioritize for what group of athletes. So for me, after like when I became a chef coach, I started looking into weightlifting a lot because I wanted to learn. And so in that first year, I was like, we're snatching and cleaning jerking. Like, this is going to build power and explosion. Like, this is going to help us uh, be stronger. We didn't, in our program, before I became the strength coach, my coach was very, very, he was very, very cautious of the things he did because the basketball coaches were like, hey, I don't want him doing this. And I don't want him to, like, they didn't let him fully access what he's capable of giving us. Um, so when I came on board, it was a little bit easier for the coaches to say, okay, we can, you can do that because it was me. It was like, he's, yeah. he's not only the coach, but he played here and he's a basketball player. And they, they were seeing my body develop, right? Cause I'm, I'm testing these things. I'm doing these things. So they were seeing like yeah. me getting stronger, getting bigger and being coming more explosive. So yeah, they didn't have as much like pushback with things that mm -hmm. we were doing. Mm -hmm. So we just really sat down and said, how do we prioritize movements for the sport that they are doing? So like for me, I was like, hey, coach, I don't think we need to test a mile anymore. Like we test a mile three times in a season. And of mm -hmm. course, he made me give him my why. Like, why yeah. should we not test a mile? Like, why do we not condition? I was like, I, mean, I don't think we need to condition. I just think it needs to be more an interval style, basketball style conditioning. Yeah. Rather than testing that mile three times in a season, right? And he was like, okay, so we started doing more interval style running and, yeah. you know, heart rate biking and stuff like that, where we would elevate the heart rate and go through different agility drills and movements and things like that to create that muscle fatigue, but allow us to be able to, you know, sustain positions and still move up and down the court. We, we took out the bench press and went more into a shoulder press style, strengthening, pressing and positioning yeah. and then. We started weightlifting. We started snatching a ton more. Instead of doing a lot of plyometrics, it was just like, no, we're gonna we're gonna learn how to fluently snatch a barbell because we're gonna do. We're in my mind, we we're doubling up on plyometrics. It was like we're doing plyometrics in our mm. training, and we're doing jumping, ah, yeah. sprinting in basketball That's practice. So point. I was like, we don't need to do that much plyometrics. We need to utilize the weight room as the weight room. And my strength coach was always a why guy. He was always like a, I right, tell me why. I'm, I'm never going to tell you that's wrong or don't do that. Give me yeah. your why of what you're going to tell the athletes so they can buy into what you are trying. 
Yeah. And that was huge for me of just like figuring out the whys behind different training methodologies. And then like time domains were huge. I didn't do any programming for football. So our head strength coach did the programming for football solely. And he just invited us to kind of chip in or test out things that he wanted to implement. But everything for football was time domain. And it was almost time domain for your position. Like, yeah. I mean, it was broken down. So now you have athletes that are working specifically on power output in their time domain, which they will probably be moving in the, in a given play or throughout the duration of, you know, their game. And I think that, that triggered the body to respond and know how to have a better level of endurance, mm -hmm. mental endurance, physical endurance, and allow athletes to be able to produce a little bit more because they were stronger and more powerful. And so, yeah, those like CrossFit was huge. That's all just CrossFit methodology, right? Yeah. But the biggest thing was the constantly very functional movement. We kept that intact. Yeah. The intensity we played around with. Yeah. Because no matter what sport you're playing, there is going to be some form of intensity. But we played around with the intensity, uh, the, the functional movement, and constantly varying the things that they were doing and the time domains in which they were working in. I think those were the the big things in utilizing CrossFit to allow these athletes to build muscle mass, get stronger, mostly even like, like lean out. Like you got guys that are losing, you know, five to 10, 15 pounds, maybe even 20 pounds, but getting significantly more powerful, stronger. Yeah. And they're more agile. They can move their bodies better. And then the biggest thing that my coach always preached, and this is why I love this man, was that what happens after sports? <laughs> You don't, yeah. you don't want to be 360 pounds, you know, trying to live your daily life and go to work. Yeah. And so CrossFit promoted a healthy lifestyle on top of you're going to get stronger. You're going to be more powerful and you're going to be able to do your job better at your sport. Yeah. 100%. It was a no brainer for me. So before I forget, who, who was your head strength coach? I feel like we should name this guy. Yeah. His name is Chip Pew. Chip Pew. Is he still yeah, in coaching? Chip Pew. I think he coaches football at Tennessee Tech still. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah, I think he's I think he's working with the football team directly now rather than just strength and conditioning. Okay. He he married me and my wife. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, man. I'd like that was it's just certain people that you have a relationship with and yeah. it just clicks. Yeah. And that guy, it just clicked for me because yeah. he he always showed that he cared first. Mm. That's not only was that is that just a very progressive way of thinking in not immediately discounting quote unquote new training methodology that was a little less traditional, but it's just also, yeah. I mean, unfortunately pretty rare in the realm of collegiate strength and conditioning, <clears throat> especially at bigger schools have someone who takes that approach of, you know, just let me know your, your rationale and we'll talk about it. I may not know everything and I'm not going to just like tell you you're wrong. But if you yeah. give me a good rationale, let's have a conversation. Let's put our heads together and then let's come up with the best thing for the athlete. That's, that's a rare well, thing to find. <laughs> well, what it does and yeah, for sure, for sure, the conditioning coach, a head strength and conditioning coach, yeah. that is rare. But what it does is it allows me to think it, it puts me in a position of where I can process the things that I want to incorporate and do, which is why I see myself as a really good coach, yeah. why I've, you know, never been severely injured or injured in CrossFit with all the things that I'm doing because the programming is is a huge part of if an athlete's gonna 
you know, bang himself up or bang herself up and get hurt, or if not, they're going to be able to, you know, like move through it. But it allowed me to understand, like, there's a why behind everything. And you have to, you have to be able to communicate with the athlete of why you should be doing this. And yeah. once you can communicate with the athlete of why this is important or why I'm giving you this or that we're doing this, the athlete is more likely to, to, uh, to like follow the process accordingly. Yeah. And then produce more results. Yeah. So he Absolutely. was just that, he was that kind of coach, man. He's phenomenal. He's a phenomenal awesome. coach, just phenomenal person. But like, yeah. his, his, when we sat down in the office, he used to just, like, he used to wow me all the time. Where yeah. I was like, I mean, of course, I was, I was new. I was like, <laughs> yeah. You know, I was like, what? Like, like, and so it's allowed me to, to critically think through programming and mm -hmm. critically think through, uh, you know, how to, how to help an athlete get better. That's awesome. So I do ask you a technical question back to some of the programming yep. things you were mentioning. I just want to make sure I understand the time domain thing. When you talk, when you say time domain, are you referring to like timed sets versus a set that's a specific, a specific number of reps? So like if a football player yeah. is seven seconds or whatever, a lineman's typically engaged with, a, with an opponent for seven seconds, whatever it may be, that's how long the set is or... Yeah. Do I have that correct? Yeah. So yeah, basically what I'm saying is like, that's exactly right. Where it's just like, Hey, you're going to power output for seven seconds. And it's a work to rest ratio. Yeah. Where it's just like you power output for seven seconds. You rest for 30 seconds. You power output for seven seconds. You rest for 30 seconds. And you know, those are programming the system to be able to hold and sustain that power output for that time domain rather than, okay, I'm doing five reps of this. And it's a burst of power, but your power continuously decreases because it can't sustain yeah. that or you're taking too much rest in between, right? So like the time domains were just kind of, they were, they were crucial because there are a lot of athletes to know their power output and how, or how much they can move in a certain time domain. And then building on that, right? Where it's like now it's 10 seconds. So now we're, you're, you're taking a lineman that is only used to blocking for, you know, a solid seven seconds as the ball's in the backfield while the quarterback makes the play or throws the ball mm -hmm. to now he can block for 25 seconds consistently. He can move for 25. He can protect the quarterback for longer, yeah. right? Because now those intervals continue to grow. He continues to build that capacity to where his legs stay, his body can sustain position for 25 to 30 seconds. Play is being developed and he has the power and strength and muscle endurance yeah. to sustain that output. Absolutely. And those were... Those were the key things in sport that we don't think about that like sports science, which like, these are the things that, you know, well, athletes are just doing five sets of five, you know, five sets of seven. It's like, no, they're working for 25 seconds of straight output. Yeah. Oh. So in a, in a previous episode that will air before this one, I interviewed a guy named Nick DeMarco and we were just talking about some of the things that traditional strength and conditioning or sports performance can really like learn from CrossFit. And one of the, the topics we talked yeah. about was, was power endurance and how like, that's just such often a neglected quality. Like we're really good at increasing the ceiling or raising the peak of things, whether that be strength or power, but strength coaches aren't the best traditionally at the, the like repetitive nature of things. How do we, like you said, sustain those outputs for longer periods of time than our 10 second sets or less. 
And that's just something I noticed immediately with CrossFit. And I I was like, oh man, this is, this is a totally neglected area of my programming when I was in the collegiate setting. How, how were you doing this? Were you doing it mainly through Olympic variations or what types of movements would you use for these types of sets? For, I mean, due to the sport was different for basketball. We snatch primarily as our, as our main group. Our movement was snatch because you have to move maximum load the furthest distance. Yeah. And then we did a lot of power snatches, but we try to stay in position, right? Like no star fishing, like position yeah. you know but you know for football they did a lot of cleans bench presses we did a lot of strict pull-ups and you know dumbbell box shoots and vertimax stuff um, mm, nice world with that that plyometric but even like jumping back squats yeah you know like med ball pass with ball jump bandit ball jumps to add resistance just different variations of things we squatted a ton more in those time domains that we were working in where it's just like leg endurance, like as a basketball player, you need to be able to run up and down the board for a solid two minutes, like change direction, like not much standing still. Like you think about someone like, if you got a guard like a Steph Curry, you're going to be moving majority of the duration of that game that he's in. Yeah. So like your legs are going to be under the immense fatigue of constantly moving and then sitting in a squat position or an athletic position to then guard him as the defense. So leg endurance was huge for me. Where it was just like, your legs need to be able to go. The other thing was just like, a lot of coaches were talking about like shooting, like your shoulders being tired. And I just sat down and I was like, like, you know how fast the body can transfer to understand the task that it's supposed to do? Like how fast it kind of conforms to whatever you're doing. Yeah. Like it's so quick. So like, when you go to bench press or lift weights or your shoulders are burnt out, go to gym and shoot. Your first five shots may be completely off. By the time you hit 10 shots, you're ready to roll. Yeah. Like you're completely ready to roll. Yeah. Now you're building that strength consistently in and out of season where you're now learning to shoot deeper. You have the strength to shoot deeper. You have the shoulder fatigue to keep your arms up. Defense, move hands mm-hmm. in any position. You have physical strength in your body. But so like we were doing these in certain time domains. Like, yeah. How do I work these athletes? Where they can, they, we, we build strength, we work with the time domains of like a basketball game or like a play. Yeah. And so I think that was just, that was just crucial. Yeah. Like that was a, a, a big part of it. Yeah. <clears throat> that's a, that's a great point. And so I, you know, so, football is like sometimes always really easy to look at and it's sometimes easier to program for because you have this very defined set of time where you're not playing yeah. a sport. And the other sports like basketball Basket. and that are more year round, so to speak, and you can play all the time because it's, you know, there's not that physical impact as much. And, and strength coaches tend to complain about that because it's like, oh, we never have time to, to build capacity or build strength. And there's an aspect that you mentioned that is almost a benefit in that you're, you're practicing the skill as you're increasing the physical qualities, which I think in football is sometimes yeah. like, a negative where, yeah, you're, you're spending in these the whole off season, build, 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 build. And yeah, you got spring ball, but you're not some, sometimes the skill of the sport gets, takes a back seat. And I think what I like about yeah. some of the other sports is that it's always front and center. Yeah. Well, I look at it both ways, but like there's, I mean, 
basketball, there's a time during the season where the skill needs to take a back seat. You need to focus on your, your strength and your endurance and your, your other, the other aspects of the basketball game, right? While you're still playing the basketball, why are you still playing and training basketball? Because your body's going to adapt and absorb. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to remember, like, high school three-point line, NBA three-point line, this is different. And when your body's under fatigue to pull up that jump shot from that NBA range, is is different. Yeah. Your body needs to have the strength to be able to shoot that much further. And, and so this is just like where training is comes in and where training is important. And so basketball is just a, it's a tough sport to train athletes a certain way. And this is why we see like very, very skinny athletes or very, very like non-developed athletes for so long yeah. to, into college because it is tough to kind of figure out how we do that. But you have to, this goes back to what we we're talking about. Or it's like the why. Hey, right now we're in off season. I want y'all playing as much basketball as y'all can. Just have fun, but like, don't overthink mm-hmm. it. Like, let your skills go. Like, if your shots off. That's okay. Cause to this year we're, we're in the building yeah. phase, right? We're physically trying to build it. I think that communication just has to come in with the athlete yeah. as much as possible. Absolutely. So talk about your experience in teaching the Olympic lifts to basketball players, because you know, this is such a, it's such a controversial topic on if like taller or longer limbed athletes or athletes who have these, you know, they're mostly leg, they're like 75% leg and their torso is super, yeah. you know, super short. Or like, there's just this like, oh, perception that, you know, basketball players like don't even bother with the Olympic lifts because they're not meant to do them or whatever it may be. But obviously you guys did it and did it successfully. So what were the keys to not only teaching, but if they needed some form of progression, wh- where did you guys go with that? Yeah. So first off was the trust, right? They trusted me because I played, I played ball with them. So they understood like, Hey, I got a plan. I think this is going to work. Everybody just buy into it. It's helped me. I jump higher. Yeah. I'm faster. I'm more explosive. This is where I think we got them. And so the next thing was like, I asked the athletes, like, could y'all stay during the summer? Like, could y'all stay here a week or two during the summer? Like, you know, can we figure out a dorm situation or something to get athletes to, you know, stay here so that we can train or give me at least a week? And what happens is, is, and I've heard this so many times where strength and conditioning coaches almost like get on my nerves. Like, it's almost like, gosh, like you just sound like you sound ignorant saying that. But like, I would hear strength coaches say, like, we don't have time to like work on that much technique stuff. And in my mind, I'm like, fool on waves. That makes no sense. Like, like in order for this athlete to produce and to shoot better, this athlete has to put in technique work over intensity. They have to put in technique work over anything else, right? In order for the athletes to get stronger and more explosive, why can't we put in that technique work in the weight room to teach them a movement like the snatch? And so I would hear, but my strength coach, my head strength coach was like, Hey, do it. If you feel like that's important, like do that. So I took a step back and said, we'll maintain strength through pressing and squatting, pulling weight. We go back to the basics, you deadlift, your back squat, you press. Right. Those are the basics to maintain strength. And then we're going to work and refine this movement of the snatch. We're going to start off with barbells and our warm up. And then we're going to finish with some skill stuff, the barbell, 
working on the snatch, working on the technique of it. We did that for like two or three weeks in like, I mean, they're athletes, right? They're collegiate athletes. It doesn't take much time to own in on movement and technique. So once we took a step back and worked on those things and owned in on those movements, as we started increasing in loads, we just kept them in percentages that we know they can comfortable. And then the program, the program is what progressed them in load, but they already had the skill down, they had the technique down. Yeah. And so I, I think it was just, I've heard it too much where I've been to high schools and, hey, we heard you're a CrossFit coach and, you know, you're a fitness coach. Yeah, I would love to work with your athletes, but we don't do CrossFit here. It's like, okay, cool. Well, do you Olympic lift? Oh, yeah, we love Olympic lifting. Okay, well, let me take the kids to like my Olympic lifting clinic and we'll, you know, we'll teach them, oh man, like we'll, we don't know if we've got like that much time to be, to work on technique or program out tech. Like it's all this empty barbell stuff. Like we got to get them stronger. It's just like, if you don't have time to teach them technique, you're never going to actually see their potential of how strong they could be. Yeah. So you can either push it because for you, these kids are a four-year contract, right? For you, it's just, I got this kid for four years. I just got to. I just got to get them strong or you can actually invest in this kid and say, Hey, we're going to take a step. We're going to own it on technique and how you move correctly so that maybe we can move more weight and become more explosive. Yeah. And that was always, that was always my approach where it was just like, I want to make sure these kids move well, squat mm-hmm. well, press well, understand how to, you know, stiffen their bodies. And when they learn how to actually control position and move the range of motions properly, you should see some kids when they're flying in the air, their body control. There's some people that have it, but there's some people that develop it because they get stronger and they learn how to move their bodies around external objects, like a bar muscle or like a ring muscle or like a or a cleaninger. Sure. And these movements teach high skill movements under stiffness of the body. You're not relaxed, like you're under tension. Yeah. And so as I started sitting and correlating these things, it was like, we got to incorporate. So. My biggest thing is just like, we had to take a step back. Yeah. And that's how I got the kids to understand movement, understand technique. If I, hey, let's, we'll keep our strength from squatting, deadlifting, and pressing. Yeah. We won't lose any strength, but we need to own in all these movements so that I can see you guys actually potentially see your full potential and the power output you can create and how strong you can actually be. Yeah. You know, that was just my, that was, that was important for me because as I became a better technician at moving, I was able to move more load significantly faster and become more explosive in my movements. So did you find that it was more a matter of just time time with the barbell, working on, on technical work, as opposed to the players themselves having any specific mobility restrictions or anything like that with regards to teaching them the list or them learning it? Yeah, I mean, of course, like I had a ton of mobility issues, mm-hmm. uh, shoulder stuff, you know, hip stuff, yeah. ankle stuff. But a lot of mobility issues are there because your body has never had to deal with the stimulus of the movement. So once you start incorporating the stimulus more, your body then, like I said, the human body is smart, man. You got to give it credit. <laughs> yeah. The moment you start incorporating a stimulus to your body, the body then says, oh, this is what we're doing. This is what you want me to do. Okay, let's do it. Like, okay, let me, let me, let me force this position. Let me get this range of motion. Let me open up. And yeah, we had wrist issues and shoulder issues and things like that, that we had to modify sure. around and we had to work around without a doubt. We had, we had guys that were seven feet where it was like, Hey, I don't want you snatching from the ground. You know, you're going to lift off a, 
you know, eight inch blocks, no matter what. Right. I just don't want the safety of you is the most important sure. thing. So we had those issues. We had guys where, you know, they were 300 pounds and they couldn't achieve the proper technical position in the bottom of a snatch from the floor. So we had to move them from blocks, mm-hmm. right? There was all types of things that we had to work yeah. on. The number one thing was, are you understanding how to take this bar from ground to overhead in the proper mechanical position and understanding how to distribute power to move this bar overhead? Yeah. Once we have started to gain that, I didn't care if you had to lift off the blocks or if you were six foot and you can lift from the floor. It was like, are you moving well and are you safe? You whatever weight you want to put on the barbell, go for it. Yeah. Like you're you're good. Got it. Now. Yeah, I think um, I think in this whole like should athletes Olympic lift or should they not? Stuff like you mentioned just it gets lost in the lost in the shuffle of like I don't think any quote unquote pro Olympic lifting strength coach is saying it's from the floor full lift or bust. I think they all would say what you just said. Like some will do this, yeah. some will do that. We're going to look at the athlete. What is their skill level? What are their restrictions, if they have any? What are, what are the demands of their position? And we're going to adapt accordingly. No one's saying that it's either like all or nothing. We have we have yeah. you know a bandwidth that we can work within. So yeah, those are those are really good points. I will I will say this, and I don't mean to I don't mean to ever throw shade on anyone. Sure, but I think. A lot of coaches that I've encountered that don't want to teach Olympic lifts or don't want to teach snatch. Let me not say Olympic lifts because a lot of coaches will cleat mm. because it's, it's super functional. It's super simple to catch on to. Yeah. There's not much mistake that can be made from a hang power clean. Most coaches don't want to teach the snatch. And the reason why is because the movement is so complex. So it takes a lot of deliberately coaching, teaching, modification, scaling. Yeah positional things understand how to movement how to do the movement and how to keep people safe doing the movement coaches don't want to take the time to do that so they just refer to the clean and not only the clean but mostly the hang clean just to simplify things as much as possible so they can keep moving and that's a downfall in us as strength conditioning coaches i put myself in that category because i was an assistant strength conditioning coach yeah that we don't want to take the time to actually teach these athletes the proper mechanical movement so that their future can be brighter and so that they can move well, be safer, actually like we can see their full potential, how strong they can get. Like I always used to say, like the reason why I love crosses is because there's so many movement. It gives me a chance of the smaller guy. Mm. Like, right. You got the push press, the push jerk, the split jerk, the back squat, the deadlift, the hang snatch, the low hang snatch, the high hang snatch, the overhead squat, the snatch balance, the clean, the hang. Like you got so many movement stores, like, a guy that's just big and strong, he may out back squat me, but he may not have the position out overhead squat. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, he may out clean me because he's just a big guy. And he could just, you know, move a ton of weight, but he probably cannot. And so I, I loved it because it gave you so many options, show your power and strength in different ways. Right now. There's guys that may be able to strict press more than me or maybe even push press more, than me, but they can't split jerk more than me. Yeah. Because it becomes skill. Yes, the, the right? skill aspect becomes so big. And that's why I love like the CrossFit space in general. But like that is what made me like weightlifting mm-hmm. because like doesn't like your size doesn't matter. Like it's like you have to be able to learn how to technically move this load efficiently to get it to its in place. And so you remember I'm dealing with football players like 
there's there's big guys and little guys. Yeah, we, we need to cleave so the big guys can move low because they can handle it, but we need to snatch for the skilled guys that know how to move well and want to learn to move well. And at the end of the day, teaching is the biggest thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't bring you in the weight room just to pump iron. Yeah. I bring you in the weight room to teach you so that you can learn how to move properly, learn how to go through these range of motions, learn how to, you know, attack different stimuluses on the body and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good segue. Cause I do want to ask you about your teaching method or your teaching philosophy when it comes to this. Cause you, you host quite a few seminars on yeah. Olympic weightlifting. So I guess, what is your, your approach to this? Do you have any unique approaches or unique things that you've developed over the years? Just give a little bit of insight into how you go about teaching these lifts effectively. Yeah. My motto of teaching is teach and treat all people the same way you would do your kids. Mm. That's my first step into like engaging with people when I'm coming to teach. I'm going to treat and teach the same way I'm going to do our kids. I don't expect you to catch on to this right away. I don't expect you to be perfect at it right away. I expect us to have some dialogue and, you know, maybe it's some frustration, but I expect to really dive into the simplicity of the movement and see how you move and how you learn so that I can give you exactly what you need to catch on to the test. The job of coaching is so draining for me <laughs> because it's, it's a huge energy mm-hmm. note. Like it's a huge, like, especially dealing with new people with my members in my gym and people that I've seen before. It's like, I know you, I've learned you. We can, like, I don't have to be as indirect. I can kind of sit back and watch there because I've I've given you the information already. Right. But like new people, it's like, I gotta, I gotta find a way to get your attention to make sure you're here. So there's nothing really new. I just try to take movements. And I try to put movements in the same category as the saying, it's like riding a bike. So idea wise, the clean is a functional movement. The reason why people learn the clean is because they probably took it a bag and had to grab it off the ground and catch it on their stroke. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And so when you talk about it's like riding bike, we use that saying because you may have not done this for so many years, but when you come back around to it, it's kind of like, oh, after a few tries, I catch on to it. So when I'm teaching athletes, I try to find ways of comparing something that they've done past that I'm trying to get them to do. Yeah. In some shape, form, or fashion. Yeah. So that their mind goes into the cycle of like, oh, it's like, right, like, I've done this before. Sure. This is like this. And that is why profit utilizes functional movement. Mm. Because it's, it's simple. It's like, I can get you to catch on and understand this because at some point in your life, you pick something up off the ground. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you how to set your back now. We completed deadlifts. Yeah. And so in my seminars, that is the the methodology of trying to get people to understand how to move through these range of motions by giving them something where it's like, you've done this before, right? All right. So here's the pieces that match up with what we're trying to do on the snatch and clean jerk. Yeah. Now let's see if we can actually understand it, put it together so that we can accomplish the task. Uh, correctly and moves, move low correctly. Awesome. So yeah, that's a really good way to frame it because, and amazingly like stuff like this, again, kind of, kind of gets lost in, in traditional strength conditioning because we get so wrapped up in like the technical aspects of a movement 
hey, you need to do this, move your leg this way, move your back this way, you know, and break it down that way. But motor learning research is pretty clear that if we can compare something they don't know to something they know right away, boom, it's going to click a lot faster. And that's just such a strong teaching strategy that, again, somehow kind of got lost in the science, I think, like the, the anatomical science of things. Yeah. Yeah. And like when you when you think about it, like you said, your you, your daughter's how old? She's almost or, three. Yeah, three. Like so, she's about to be at that point where all she's going to do is mimic movement. <laughs> Probably at that point where she's like, if she sees you squat, she's gonna she's gonna squat. Yeah. She has no clue of how to do it, but what happens is like her body is now seeing and able to put itself in motion. Then she's going to be five. She's going to be able to take small instruction on how to actually complete that task properly. And then she's going to turn seven or to nine. And she's going to be able to actually like contextualize the information that you're giving her. Actually know, I know how to squeeze my stomach mm. to support my, I know how to take my shoulders from front to pull my scaps back in position. Yeah. And that is what we're trying to find ways to teach athletes um, and being patient with them so they understand, but simplifying things to where their bodies already know what to do. Like we just have to simplify the movement so they have a fair understanding of the task that we're trying to get done. And we should start finding ways to incorporate those different things so that an athlete never feels really lost. Yeah. Like they're, they, they take movements that are frustrating and are complex and you simplify it for them. And now they feel encouraged to learn the movement and do the move. Yeah. Yeah. Never feeling lost. That's a great way to put it. It's just like, okay, we know this is challenging, but you don't feel like you're, it's, it's too, too much to overcome. You don't just feel like you're on an island because yeah, that will kill, that will kill motivation. That will kill like acceptance of instruction. That's, that's a really good phrase. I like that. And listen, it's like riding a bike. You you can not ride a bike for 20 years. So when you get back on it, you just don't feel lost you feel like okay i i can get this i got this like i've done this before and that's what you that saying and so for me i've just incorporated that into the way i think about where i think about coaching or training and programming where it's like you've moved before so i just got to figure out what you've done and so like to give you an idea in my seminar i make people do cartwheels oh nice and so everyone is like when i tell them like hey we're we're just we're about to do this movement one of my favorite movements. And they're like, oh, okay, what is it? I'm like, we're going to do car wheels. And this is how we're going to do a car wheel. We're going to put our hands like this. We're going to go hand, hand, foot, foot, and do a car wheel and go over top. And you should see people's faces. They are freaked out. <laughs> I haven't done a car wheel yep. in, in years. Yeah. Like it's been years I haven't done a car wheel, but not one person is frustrated as they're doing a car wheel. Everyone's laughing. Everyone's giggling. To do a car wheel that they haven't done in multiple years to try to complete a task that they are now kind of scared to do because they haven't done it in so long. But what, what's the first thing like riding a bike, they go back to the memory mm. and the feeling of what it felt like to do a cartwheel. And when they were in that stage of doing a cartwheel, they were never upset, frustrated, or angry. They were playing and laughing. Yeah. That emotion, like I said, 20 years later, 10 years later, five years later comes up in a task that they are now trying to do. That they may have not had the range of motion to do or the mobility to do, or they just haven't done it a long time and they're a little scared. Yeah. But they're laughing and playing and everyone's enjoying it. And those things in my in my seminar and teaching are getting people to understand like 
if I can get you to figure out how to incorporate something you've done into something that you need to do, we eliminate a lot of the fear, a lot yeah. of the stress and pressure of that movement. Um, mm-hmm. And that is literally what coaching and teaching is. It's like getting people to understand complex things and trying to simplify it for them, athletes, general population, whichever one we're talking about. Yeah. So that they can feel more empowered. And like you said, like we said before, they don't feel lost in trying to accomplish. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, we mentioned your seminars. This, you know, this will probably, I'm not sure when this episode will specifically drop, but so you may be past the point of when these are being held, but do you have any seminars coming up, coming up soon? Oh, right now, no. Right now we're planning on heading back to North Carolina for a training camp. Okay. I'm going to host a training camp here at my gym. In the training camp, we teach the seminar. We teach a small base of a seminar in the training camp. I'm going to host a training camp here in Ankeny, Iowa. I'm working with a gym right now, and then I'm trying to put together a UK tour. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I put together a UK tour where I can go to the UK and teach about four or five seminars in a week and a half. Do you have your own online training team as well? The Lift Heavy Often? Yeah. So basically what I did was after teaching the seminar, I put together a weightlifting cycle. It's a 16-week cycle, which is Lift Heavy Often Weightlifting 1.0. And then we have Lift Heavy Often Weightlifting 2.0. The difference between the two is 1.0 is that I basically program out your warm-up sets. So it's a lot of volume because I'm giving you not only the warm-up sets, you are always doing a series of lifting, which means you're going through a muscle snatch, a power snatch, a squat snatch, and you'll be muscling a ton in that. And then it lifts up you off in 2.0. There are no warm-up sets. It's just your percentages that you will hit for the day. You will need to know how to build up to that percentage. And that's why it's 2.0 because I'm not kind of walking yeah. you through the, more the small percentages prepping you yeah it's a little more yeah. advanced where it's like you walk in the gym you know i got five sets of two at 80 percent. i'm gonna hit what i need to hit to get to that percent and start my set gotcha so are those uh, <clears throat> excuse me are those like one-off programs or are those something that are ongoing that you work with people on yeah so 1.0 is a 16-week cycle okay. so basically when you sign up you know start you from the beginning you'll go through 16 weeks of the program it's two days a week and then 2.0 is an ongoing constant program where it'll cycle through i think 32 weeks uh, okay with different variations of all lifts everything like that and it's basically like two different two or three different programs that it just cycles through that 32 weeks and then comes back around and continues to cycle through it 2.0 is like i said a little bit more advanced 1.0 is like i'm gonna walk you through all the percentages all the lean sets your squats you literally We'll have like 35% for this, 45% for this, 50%. We're just like, these are nuanced loads, but they're just prepping their position. Yeah. So that's the lift heavy off the weight. It's awesome. So another thing that you, that you have going is your non, nonprofit project Onyx. So why don't you go yes. ahead and talk about that? Like what, what is project Onyx and what kind of things do you guys do? Yeah. So project Onyx is a, a nonprofit for young black youth bringing them into the fitness space, diversifying the space. CrossFit is predominantly mm-hmm. white uh, spaces. And we wanted to diversify the space, but we also wanted to give access to young black youth, me being specifically a, a black male, give access to kids that would not have known about this or would not have access to it if they probably didn't see me or 
Sure. Uh, you know, we would go reach and go out and talk to them and tell them about it. So it's to provide this access to them of health and wellness and teach them about health and wellness and fitness, but also give them tools of like, hey, I own a CrossFit gym and I'm able to provide for my family by running my own business. Well, and then on the, on the other side is to invest in kids, right? Where it's just like, how do we support and help kids that are going to college and give them scholarship funds that can help them start small businesses that can take them to different events like my seminars. Next, this week, we're leaving Thursday to go to the Power Monkey Fitness Camp where they can go to a fitness camp for a week and we sponsor them to go down there and hang out in Tennessee where they just learn about health and wellness and fitness and all the ins and outs of it. We're going to go to the Fortune Youth Resilience Camp, which will be for all youth where they do the same thing there, but it's more youth there at the Power Monkey Fitness Camp. It's for everyone. For youth resilience is for all the teenage kids yeah. and the kids that are in fitness, that want to pursue fitness, that want to live healthy, you know, lifestyles and utilize the tool of fitness to maybe, you know, further their, their sports or further their business or further just general health and wellness. So we'll be taking them to there. So the, the nonprofit is basically there to find young black youth in the area or maybe even distance sure. and give them this access to health and wellness and put them in the CrossFit space that has been very, very beneficial for a lot of people, myself included, or just give them health and wellness and fitness, right? Where it's just like, hey, this tool is not just used for sport. Yeah. Like, this is used to prolong Absolutely. life. Like this is used to release endorphins and stay healthy and, and build a strong mental capacity, build a strong physical, you know, domain that you have. So like, is there so many aspects in it that we use the nonprofit to be able to bring these children in? And, and then we feed them three times a week. We have a meal company that provides meals for them so they can see what it's like to have a healthy, clean yeah. meal with the local company here called Fresh Fit. Okay. They donate meals to the nonprofit awesome. and uh, the kids learn like, okay, this is what a proportioned meal looks like, <laughs> you know, like this is what a balanced, you know, meal, not yeah. over, yeah, balanced meal, not overdulging in food, but eating mm -hmm. properly and foods that are healthy that can sustain not only my training, but keep me healthy yeah. and, you know, alert throughout the day and stuff like that. So. Um, there's a lot of ins and outs of the nonprofit, but the basics of it was let's open our doors to bring you in so we can give them health and wellness and free access to it. Yeah. And that's the, the, the base of the program. So it's been fun to watch Project Onyx grow. And just recently, you've had, you've had one of the cooler events that I've ever seen. And one thing that I appreciate about you, man, is just you, you just have this classiness to you. Like, if you're going to do something, you're, you're going, you're going all out. Yeah. You're, you're doing it to the max. It's going to be an experience. It's going to be special. Like your, your training camp I, w I went to is like that. And then for your recent project Onyx event, you had like a fitness with friends where you had a bunch of people get together and do a, a like a, a fitness event. But then in, in the evening you had a gala, like a black tie gala. Yeah. And that, that's just, I don't know. That's just a, such a cool wrinkle. So how, how did that go? Was that, was that an awesome event? It looked, it looked incredible. It was phenomenal. So the, basically we were planning the gala, but I was like, man, let's make it a day mm. event. Like, let's just, let's just go all out the whole day. <laughs> let's do it. So we partnered with the Ankeny Police Foundation here, the police okay. department. We opened that door, partnered with them. They spread the word. We had a fitness with friends, basically where people just come in and work out. Like, let's just do a workout, make donations. We had a silent auction. It was a simple run and row workout where not much thinking, not much craziness, but partner up with one of our youth, have some fun, hang out, sweat with us because this is what we do on a day. Yeah. We got done with that. And then we had our PJO class. So our midday was what we do when we have our classes. Yeah. If we bring the kids in, we bring all the boxes out of the gym, we sit them around, 
we have group discussion, we go into a workout. We we allow people to come sit in on that experience of what we do with the kids, yeah. right? And then that night we had a gala and the gala was phenomenal. But the best part about the gala, we got the outfit, almost all of the kids that came, suit, dresses, Air Force oh. Ones, Jordans, yeah. whatever they wanted to do, it was their night to shine. Yeah. And so it was just a beautiful moment where we allowed the kids to go to the mall, pick out clothes, grab a suit, whatever colors they wanted to do. That was sponsored by Lululemon. Yep. So Lululemon Des Moines helped us sponsor that. We had on Lululemon suits. I mean, it was yeah. phenomenal, man. Everybody showed up, dressed to a tee, ready to have some yeah. fun and enjoy and engage. The kids looked phenomenal. And I mean, they came swaggy, yeah. man. I mean, dressed. They, they were picking out their clothes. And I'm like, oh, that outfit, <laughs> that outfit is going to look nice. That outfit is yeah. going to look nice. So. It was just, it was just a great event, but we, we use it to raise funds that we can buy a van so that we can commute the kids, take them to events and just a little bit simplify rather than like we go to the CrossFit Games every year. Okay. And we'll go to the CrossFit Games. That's awesome. Usually my members mm-hmm. at my gym commute kids to Madison. Okay. And so just instead of having that trouble of everyone having to commute, it's like, Hey, we got a 15 passenger van, whatever we can load up. 15 kids, 10 kids in here with all the luggage and stuff. And we could just take one vehicle down so that we can have that experience. Um, so we, we use that day to raise the funds so that we can get in a vehicle and we hit pretty much hit our goal so that we can raise that, that we, we did raise the funds so that we can get a vehicle. And right now we're in the pursuit of that, but the gala was <laughs> phenomenal and everyone was like, please do this again yes. next year. Like, please do this again. So we're looking forward to hopefully doing that again in the years to come and you know, sharing it with the community, you know, months in advance so we can get yeah. a lot of people to come and tune in this next yeah. year. What's well, the, I mean, that's the thing about, like you said, let's make a day, let's make it experience that builds momentum and people like that yeah. draws people that makes people feel like there's part of something unique and special, which it already is because what you're doing is such a good thing. But then you add that layer on top of it that make people feel like they're part of something. And that yeah. just, it'll only just keep, getting bigger and, and keep growing. And so if, if, you, if you're listening to this and you want to know more about Project Onyx or you want to look to, to donate to uh, see what Easy's doing, projectonyx.com, right? Is the, the website? Projectonyxdsm.com. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And uh, of course, it'll be in the show notes too. But so if, yeah, um, just sure. if it, you didn't catch it or whatever, it'll be in the show notes. And obviously, I'll have links to Easy's website and you can find more information there on his seminars when he's having training camps he's very active on social media on instagram he's always announcing that kind of stuff and uh, easy man i just gosh this is a great conversation and uh, i just really appreciate your time yep. today for sure man i thank you for having me on you bet. thank you for listening to the performance connection podcast if you enjoyed the episode please leave a review share on social media and on instagram tag at performance connection podcast all one word. The content of this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any medical condition. Thanks again, and I hope you'll keep listening or check out other episodes.